The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by Winbet. Bet $100 at Winbet and get a $100 free bet. Head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. We're also brought to you by IP Vanish. IP Vanish is the official VPN of SGPN and they're offering 70% off if you go to ipvanish.com slash SGP. That's ipvanish.com slash SGP. And finally, make sure to check out our new Discord server, the perfect place to interact and sweat bets with the entire SGPN crew. Just head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. You are listening to the EPL show here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. You can also follow the Twitter account for BetMUFC. It's at BetMUFC. That's at BetMUFC. There'll be an episode of the BetMUFC podcast dropping on Saturday looking at Manchester United's game at home to Brighton. Finally, follow the Twitter account for LockBetting.com. That's at LockBetting.com. That's at LockBetting.com. LockBetting.com is my premium pay service and it's also now a free podcast where you can get your Bundesliga season preview and a look at match day one in the Bundesliga. LockBetting.com has delivered 110 months in a row of transparent track profit, which means we are just 10 months away from being able to say I haven't had a single losing month in a decade. This is all transparent and tracked. You can see every single spreadsheet, including the spreadsheet for the month of July. All you need to do is look at the pinned tweet on the LockBetting Twitter account, which is at LockBetting.com. And you will see the pin tweet is the PL for the month of July. When you open that PL up, you can do your research for other months. Go down to the bottom of the page, you'll see little tags. They say things like soccer, tennis, NBA, etc. One of them says PL. Click the PL tab and you'll be able to see all the PLs for the previous months while you're doing your research. I recommend you look at the type of bets we do. Look at the stakes, and you'll see they're very sensible stakes. No five unit, 10 unit plays, or 20 unit Maxwells. None of that nonsense. All sensible stakes for every one and most importantly look at the members comments down the bottom verifying in fact this service has genuinely delivered 110 months in a row of transparent track profit and we are undefeated for over nine years this is a great month to sign up because we're releasing all of our soccer futures they hit at 81 percent at the moment 
along with the tennis US Open starting at the end of the month. And of course, we have domestic soccer action now coming every single weekend, along with our NFL futures coming up as well. We look at the month of August as the start of the financial betting year, the calendar year, obviously January to January. We look at August to August because we release so many futures in this month. So as I said, if you want to be a part of the service, head over to lockbetting.com. If you want to get free podcasts from Lockbetting, then subscribe to the Lock Betting podcast for your Bundesliga preview. The Premier League is back and it's got some act to follow. Until the very end, but the latest domestic marathon is about to get going, and we're here for it. We're back again. We're back again. I'm busting up the front of Castle We're back again. We're back again. Tell your brother, brother, sister, and your friends. We are back with part two of your EPL season preview. Last time, we solely focused on the outright winner's market with Manchester City as the 46-150 favourites to win the league. While we were doing that, we did touch on the top four because we did look at the top six teams to win the Premier League. And uh, while doing that, we touched on the top four. And that's where we'll pick up. It's a logical starting point. And it's also logical to exclude... Manchester City and Liverpool from the conversation because it would be a monumental upset if either one of them didn't make the top four. The pricing does reflect that. Man City are the 1-33 to favourites to reach the top four and Liverpool are available at 1-8. to So it's after those two where things get interesting. Tottenham are available at 4-6 to with Chelsea also available at 4-6. to Then we have Arsenal at 6-4 plus 150, your first plus money selection. They are the fifth favourites to finish in the top four. With two to one available on Man United. After that, we have Newcastle as an eight to one outsider, West Ham as a fourteen to one outsider, and Tottenham and Leicester both available at sixteen to one. I think we can exclude everybody outside of Tottenham, Chelsea, Arsenal, and Man United in this market, whereas many can um, or will make a case for Newcastle eventually being a top four team or maybe even being a title contender. I don't think they've done the business as of yet. I think their business has been underwhelming. It's been sensible. It's been conservative. It will improve them, but it will not get them anywhere near the top four. So we're not going to talk about Newcastle. We're certainly not going to be talking about Leicester because for me, Leicester could be a relegation contender this season they've been very very poor in the window and uh, West Ham haven't really done anything either last season we saw them severely fatiguing and uh, if I was David Moyes if I was the West Ham manager what I would have done last season is I would have just conceded the league I would have probably seen that it was very very unlikely given the run-in and given the position that we're in that we were going to get into the top four and I wouldn't have bothered trying to get a Europa League spot via 
by my league position. I would have just forfeited the league for the last seven or eight games and gone all out for the trophy, gone all out for the Champions League spot, gone all out for the Europa League. They were a better team than Eintracht Frankfurt on paper. They they also would have beaten Rangers in the final after getting past Sevilla. West Ham really should have won the Europa League last season, especially with Barcelona being knocked out by Frankfurt. They didn't in the end. They ended up being knocked out in the semi-final because this team were just massively fatigued in the latter part of the season. And that will happen again unless they do business. They haven't done any major business. And therefore, I exclude all of those teams from being anywhere near the top four. So it comes down to Tottenham, Chelsea, Arsenal and Man United. And we talked a little bit about this on the show. We compared Tottenham and Man United because there is a big gap between these two teams and we we used that gap and we looked at it in detail with Tottenham being 12 to 1 to win the Premier League and Man United being 40 to 1 to win the Premier League. And we basically looked at that and I said, who gets into the Man United team from Tottenham? Other than Son and Kane, if you're a Man United supporter, who do you want to buy from Spurs? And that was the overriding point. And that's the point again, because one team is a four to six minus 150 shot and Man United are available at two to one plus 200. And just like when we looked at the outright winners market and looked at how Tottenham were 12 to one and Man United are 40 to one, again, the gap here doesn't make any sense. It's not as big, but it still doesn't make any sense. I think Chelsea are are worthy of being four to six favourites. Look, this is a Chelsea team that won the Champions League. Yes, they, um, they've they lost Rudiger. Rudiger was a key defender for them in that campaign. But they've brought Kouabali in. They've also got Raheem Sterling. Yes, they've lost Romelu Lukaku. But Romelu Lukaku wasn't in that Champions League winning team. And um, I think they showed last season that playing an out-and-out striker doesn't really suit what they were doing. What they need to do is find a way to play in the season where they won the Champions League and to be able to put the ball in the net a little bit better without using an outright number nine because stylistically that doesn't fit in with what Chelsea are doing. But I don't think by any means they are this weakened force that the that the bookies think that they are with Tottenham being ranked ahead of them to win the league. Obviously, they're the same price to finish in the top four. But for me, Chelsea should be third in this market. Chelsea, for me, will finish in the top four. And uh, I wouldn't mind having a little bit on them here at four to six to finish there. So when you're looking at who else gets in, obviously Tottenham, according to the bookies, will be the other team. I think it's a given for me that Tottenham will finish above Arsenal. You can bet that separately when you're looking at the the top club in North London or you can get bets available in terms of who finishes above who. For me, I don't think Arsenal have done good enough business to finish above Tottenham. Yes, they've done good business and yes, Tottenham have done good business, but... Arsenal have bought players that will start in their team, but they've bought players from Manchester City that Manchester City didn't want. Yes, Zinchenko will be a starter for Arsenal. And yes, Gabriel Jesus will solve some of their issues in terms of finding an out-and-out goal scorer, something that they've been lacking since Aubameyang went to Barcelona. And actually since Aubameyang signed a new contract, because as soon as he signed a new contract, he decided to just be completely shit and useless and was not an asset to Arsenal at the um during the late stages of his of his time there so Arsenal have needed that number nine. If Gabriel Jesus hits the ground running, he they he could um he could be someone that helps them 
challenge for the top four once again like they did last season. But I really feel what happened at the end of last season is going to leave a scar because Arsenal had that on the plate. Now, people look at how Arsenal finished the season in terms of uh, losing that game against Tottenham, in terms of bottling that game against Newcastle. But there was a run where Arsenal were just awful and lost games which they shouldn't have lost, which included losing at home to Brighton. So Arsenal were their own worst enemy. And that's a bad scar to take into this season when Chelsea have um, Chelsea will improve, I think, in the end, by the time the window's closed. Tottenham have improved. And even Man United have improved, even though they haven't done the business that you would want Man United to do they have got rid of the likes of Jesse Lingard and Paul Pogba who are disrupted to the to the dressing room I hope they actually get rid of Cristiano Ronaldo in the end because I just don't see any point in building your team around that type of player and if you don't build your team around Ronaldo there's no point having him because when you have Ronaldo you have to play stylistically to his strengths and I don't think that's the way Ten Hag plays and I don't think that's the way Man United have played here in their pre-season game so Ronaldo doesn't fit in it's time to move on from that and when you look at the Man United team on paper, they're strong. And for me, they are better than Tottenham and they are better than, than Arsenal. And I'm not saying this as a supporter. I'm just trying to say this as a sports gambling an, um, analyst who sees something wrong here in the market. So Arsenal, for me, I don't think they've done enough. I think that they can compete. I think they can even put up a higher points tally than last season. But one thing that I think we need to we need to take notice of is that last season's points tally for the top four was very, very low. Tottenham dropped points left and right. Tottenham had a poor start to the season and then had a period where Antonio Conte was talking about leaving the club and perhaps he, he wasn't doing himself any favours or the club any favours by, by being there. He was openly critical of, of Tottenham's transfer policy and it looked like at one point that he was going to walk out then we saw what Arsenal did where they kept managing to to blow it every time they seemed to be in a comfortable position they dropped stupid points and Man United were just a complete joke last season I don't see how Man United can possibly do worse than they did last season even if they were trying to so it was just a very very poor race for the top four whereas it was exciting it was a lot of teams massively underachieving and blowing it at every single hurdle. So I don't think we're going to see that type of race. I think Arsenal could actually put up more points this season and still not finish in the top four because I think Tottenham will be better and I think Man United should be better as well. And um, I'm happy with what I've seen, at least at the beginning, under Eric Ten Hag. Obviously, the last game, the last two games, we lost one against Atletico Madrid and then drew at home to Raul Vallecano. But um, that was overshadowed by Cristiano Ronaldo walking out at half-time and, and everything that, that centres around the Ronaldo circus. And I'm not being disrespectful of Ronaldo. I'm not taking away from the fact that he scored 18 goals in the league last season. But would we have scored those goals anyway? Would other players have scored them? Would, he have, would we have been more consistent? Would we have been more of a team if Ronaldo hadn't come in and, and, and been Ronaldo? I'm ready to find out. I'm ready for this guy to to walk out the door and for us to move on and um, and play as we should play and develop a style that suits us and suits Eric Ten Hag and suits us for the future and move forward and, um, and and develop things on and not build our team around a player who's in his final years. So looking at this top four, it's really difficult for me to make a commitment. I do think Chelsea will get in. As for the third team, I would simply have a sprinkle on either one of the, the other two. I just don't think 
there's any value at all there on Tottenham at four to six. And if Tottenham's season isn't going well, then I think it's safe to say that Antonio Conte will walk. If Tottenham aren't challenging for the league, if they are sitting in fifth or sixth place, I don't think he's going to wait around for Tottenham to go on, on any kind of run where they improve their league position. I think he's going to walk out the door. I don't think that Antonio Conte, despite the fact he did very well to finish in the top four in the end, despite the fact he's been bit, bit, uh, backed in the summer window, I don't think this guy's going to hang around if things aren't going his way. Some of his comments last season were were questionable to me in terms of how committed he is to this Tottenham job. And as I said on the last show, even though they have spent money, who starts for Tottenham? Perisic as a as a left wing back in the Premier League in his 30s. You're looking at Basuma. Yes, he starts. Does Richarlison start? I don't think so. So... Yes, they've signed a lot of players, but who's really going to make a massive impact in this first 11? So I think there's value there on Man United. I think Man United are better than Arsenal. I think Man United should be a shorter price than Arsenal. As I said, once again, I'll reiterate, I'm not doing this as a support. I'm not saying this as a support. I never do that here on these shows. I've been massively critical of Man United. I was even betting against them multiple times towards the end of the season last season on Bet MEFC. So uh, people that were listening to that show know that I'm happy to bet against Manchester United when I see it's right. But in this instance, um, looking at Eric Ten Hag, looking at him coming in here, taking the manager's position, trying to stamp his authority. This is a manager that did very, very big things with Ajax. This is a man that built two teams with Ajax. He built the first team of youngsters that was absolutely raided when you're looking at the likes of De Lit and De Jong and, and Donny van der Beek. All these players were sold on. And then he built another team that won the league as well. The first team were a team that, that wiped out Real Madrid and wiped out Juventus and should have got to a Champions League final. They just bottled at the end and allowed Tottenham to, to go through with a hat-trick from Lucas Moura. But this is a team that rightfully should have played in the Champions League final. Then he built another team and continued to have success there. They, they, he just gets glowing praise from everybody that's ever worked under him. This is a man who was the favourite to be the Real Madrid manager before Carlo Ancelotti got the job. So... I, I can't really look past this guy being a good manager who, who's going to do good things here for the club. So I think Man United are being underrated and I think Tottenham are being overrated and therefore it makes Man United worth a sprinkle. But for me, Chelsea are, are quite a safe bet to finish here in this top three. And I'm surprised to see them here at 4-6 to six minus 150. In fact, if you shop around, you can even find um, a best price of 3-4 to four for Chelsea to finish in this top four. And I would certainly... F- feel that that's worth a look if you like to bet futures markets I would certainly be having a look at Chelsea to finishing to finishing this top four at a price of three to four when you're looking at the top six market I think it's pretty hard to make a case for anybody getting into this top six You've got Man City at 1 to 500, Liverpool 1 to 33, Chelsea at 2 to 9, and Tottenham at 2 to 9. And then you've got Man United, oh, sorry, you've got Arsenal at 1 to 2, and Man United at 4 to 7. I think there's actually value there on Man United. I don't think there's any way they finish outside of this top six. 
Um, I would think that Man United and Arsenal, both Man United and Arsenal, should be a lot shorter than that. So, whereas you do have to lay some juice, I think Arsenal one to two and Man United at four to seven are safe bets. You're essentially just betting on these two teams to finish above Newcastle. Newcastle themselves are at two to one to finish in the top six. I think that's way, way too short given the business that they've done. So, I would be looking at bigger bets on those two, especially on Man United to finish in the top six at the price of four to seven in the top six market. Moving on to the relegation market, looking at those relegation odds. For some reason, we have Bournemouth as a strong, strong favourite to be relegated this season. Obviously, they've done limited business in the summer window. But they did come up above Nottingham Forest, who did come through the playoffs. I think this is because Nottingham Forest have done some good business with them signing Dean Henderson as their goalkeeper and Jesse Lingard expected to do big things, expected to be the same player that went out on loan to West Ham. So for that reason, Bournemouth are the significant favourites to go down at one to two. In fact, in some places, I've seen them as short as two to five to be relegated from the Premier League. You then get plus money on everybody else. It's five to four on Nottingham Forest. It's six to four on Fulham. It's nine to four on Leeds, who have sold their two best players with Rafinha and Calvin Phillips leaving the club. It's then 12 to five on Brentford. Could they suffer from second season syndrome? Sometimes we see a team going up to the EPL and they just hit the ground running. They're just massively motivated. The crowd gets behind them. They, they, they play for the manager. They play for the shirt. And then we see them in the second season once they feel like they've established themselves in the EPL and they, and they just end up going down. So that could be the case for, for Brentford. You have Southampton at 11 to four. They've done very, very poor business. They're a team that I feel that could be in trouble. I could say the same for Everton as well. Lampard hasn't really been backed. And um, they looked very, very poor at times last season. Obviously, the appointment of Rafa Benitez was a complete disaster. But I don't think Lampard exactly excelled in the job when he took over either. Yes, he ended up keeping them up because they had a late run towards the end of the season. But they could be in and among that relegation group once again. After that, I don't really see any chance of Wolves or Crystal Palace being sucked in. It's 4-1 Wolves, 6-1 Palace, 8-1 Brighton, 12-1 Villa, and then 14-1 on Leicester, I think is a big price because they've done appalling business. Last season, they, they saw a massive decline. Um, they weren't challenging for any trophies. They finished outside the top four. Previously, they'd been guilty of being in a position to, to make it into the Champions League and blowing it late on. Last season, they were nowhere near. It was a very, very poor season for Leicester. And um, there's no signs, really, that they're going to do any better this season. In fact, they could get worse. It, they've uh, they've lost Kasper Schmeichel. It looks like James Madison might be leaving the club as well. They're still reliant on, on Jamie, Jamie Vardy, unless, um, unless Dakar can actually have a much better season this season and, and, and be the player that, that we thought he would be last season. So it's going to be very, very difficult for Leicester, I think, to finish in the top half. And I think there's big value there on them at 14 to 1 to go down. Do I think they'll go down? No. I definitely think there's three worse teams than Leicester. But you just never, never know. If teams get off to a bad start, if, they, if they're not playing for the manager, if the manager feels like he's been in the job too long and Brendan Rodgers probably does think he deserves a better job than Leicester because he did a good job elsewhere and, and perhaps 
he 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 feels that he should have been a contender for the Man U job or or the Arsenal job or whatever jobs have come up on offer. So we could get a little bit of that. We could get a little bit of staleness there, and, and Leicester could suddenly emerge as a contender. I don't think they will, but uh, but it's possible. I certainly do think they'll have a bad season, and I do think there could be value on them finishing in the bottom half of the table. But um, but yeah, there could also be big big value on them to go down. I think ultimately. Bournemouth will go down. I just don't know why they're so short. And I think they'll be joined by Fulham. I think Fulham and Norwich are, are two yo-yo clubs. They go up, they go down. They never seem to do enough to, to stay up in the league. And I think Fulham could be guilty of that. Obviously, there was that one season where they spent £100 million to, to try and stay up. But they spent it very, very badly. That hasn't happened this time. And I think that could be their problem um, once again. So I do think there's value on them. And I do think Nottingham Forest will get out. I've seen enough ambition for, from them. I think Jesse Lingard could have a good season. I think Jesse Lingard at six million is a good fantasy Premier League pick as well. Um, Leeds, Leeds have tried to reinvest the money that they got for for Phillips and Rafinha, but um, a lot of the signings for me for Leeds are gambles. So it'd be really interesting to see how that plays out. Um, and I do think Brentford and Southampton will be two teams that ultimately finish in that bottom six. But as for who goes down, I'm going to stick my neck out on the line and say, obviously, Bournemouth. And I think one other who will definitely go down will be Fulham. I'm not sure about Nottingham Forest. I'm not sure about Leeds signings working. I'm not sure about Brentford suffering from second season syndrome. I'm not sure Southampton have done enough once again. They've been asking to be in a relegation race for a few years now with the poor business they've done there's not been enough investment at that club so I think the the bottom six is correct in terms of the way the bookies have it I think they've got that spot on I I just feel that Fulham should be the second favourites to go down and at the price of six to four plus 150 I think there's significant value on them to continue yo-yoing much like Norwich City so I love Fulham here at six to four plus 150 to be relegated from the EPL once again. Before we look at the top goalscorer market and before we close out with the locks here on the show, I'm going to give you two futures locks here on the show. I did find the season match bet markets and we talked earlier about who would finish higher between Tottenham and Arsenal. Well, Tottenham are significant favourites to do that this season. So there isn't really any value on taking Tottenham here at one to two with Arsenal being available at six to four. Other plays uh, that I picked out were matchups here between Arsenal and Man United, where Arsenal are the favourites at four to five and Man United are available. Even money to finish above Arsenal. I think there's good value on United there. I do think they'll finish above Arsenal this season. I think it will be very, very disappointing if United finish below Arsenal once again. We've also got the matchup here between Chelsea and Tottenham. I mentioned earlier how I feel safer taking Chelsea to finish in the top four than Tottenham. I feel Chelsea have been a more consistent team in the in the top four. I also feel that they've got a better team than Tottenham. I don't agree with all the hype that Tottenham are getting this summer. Well, Tottenham are the favourites to finish above Chelsea here in this market, much like the Arsenal Man U bets. Tottenham are available here at 4-5 to five with even money on Chelsea to finish above Spurs. I can't remember the last time that Tottenham finished above Chelsea. I think it was the season they were challenging for the league with, uh, with Leicester and Leicester ended up winning it. So I think Chelsea are a very, very good bet 
in that market. Um, one more I wanted to pick out. We've got Leicester and West, ha- uh, sorry, Newcastle and West Ham. West Ham here are the slight underdogs at even money with Newcastle at four to five. I think there's value on Newcastle. I think despite the fact that their signings have been underwhelming, I still think they're good enough to finish above West Ham who haven't made signings and will probably run out of gas once again. So I do think that West Ham will finish below Newcastle, but I definitely think that West Ham will finish above Leicester. Now, in that market, you have West Ham at 10 to 11 and Leicester at 10 to 11. I don't think this is a pick em situation. We have one team that finished higher than the other last season. We had one team that got to Europa League semi-final. We have one team who are better on paper. Yes, neither team have really strengthened here in the summer, at least not significantly, but I just don't see how you have them as equals. For me, Leicester are trending towards the bottom half of the table with the business that they've done. There's a lot of things things wrong there at the club, and whereas I don't think West Ham will be as good as they've been over the last two seasons, even to the point where I I think they'll finish below Newcastle, I do think there's value on them to finish above Leicester here at 10 to 11. So that's really the the main selections I wanted to go through there for the the season match bets. They are available over at Bet365 if you want to check them out. I often get questions, where did you get that from? Where did you get that from? Like it's some real niche book. Well, Bet365 is a very, very well-known and popular book and therefore these should be very, very easy to get a hold of. There are other markets here, finishing the top half, finishing the bottom half, um, finish bottom, top at Christmas, bottom at Christmas, relegated teams where you can take all the all the teams um, to finish in the top four, not to finish in the top four, to finish in the top six, uh, to not be relegated, forecast, tricast, all these kind of stuff. I will be posting my futures picks in the next 24 hours. So they will come out before the start of the season. If you want to get my futures, head over to lockbetting.com. My futures hit at 81%. You're also going to get futures this month for the Tennis US Open and for the NFL as well. Before we close out with the two free locks here on the show, let's look at the top goal scorer market. This is the last market that we're going to look at. And Erling Haaland comes into the Premier League and he is immediately the front runner in this market. He is available at 11-4 to to be the top Premier League goal scorer this season. Last season, it was joint between Salah and Son. Well, Salah here is available at 9-2, to with Song way down at 14-1. to Ahead of Song, you have Harry Kane at 5-1. to Darwin Nunes comes in at 9-1, to with Gabriel Jesus at 12-1. to And then you get Hyung Ming Song at 14-1. to So I think, obviously, there's value there on Song because I just can't see how um, he has a significantly worse season than last season. I think he's still going to be scoring up plenty of goals. I think he's going to get over 15 once again. I think he's going to be a good fantasy Premier League selection. So there's big value there on Song for me at 14 14 to 1, given that he was a joint top goal scorer last season, yet he's way down in the market from Mo Salah, who's up there at 9 to 2 as the second favourite. You then get Cristiano Ronaldo at 20 to 1. Julian Alvarez, who we've never really talked about on the on these uh, on these two podcasts for Manchester City, he's available at 25 to 1. Jamie Vardy comes in at 33 to 1 for me. I don't think he plays enough games. Raheem Sterling at 33 to 1. Could he be utilised as a striker? Could he be utilised as a false nine? Is Kai Havertz going to do that job? Is Timo Werner going to get another chance if not then um, there's big value on Raheem Sterling for me there at 33 to 1 Alexander Mitrovic at 40 to 1 he's always the guy who who gets Fulham back into the EPL from the championship but doesn't 
or isn't really able to do it in the EPL. Uh, then we've got uh, Brozier of, uh, of of Chelsea. He's gone back to them from Southampton. Is he going to get any game time? Is he going to start? Is he going to be the striker for Chelsea? I don't think so. He's at 40 to 1. Diego Joss is at 40 to 1, but he starts the season injured, so he's there for a reason. Kai Havertz, 40 to 1. Uh, Luis Diaz, 40 to 1. Patrick Bamford is back for Leeds. He's at 40 to 1. Bakar Saka, 50 to 1. And everyone else is 50 to 1 or bigger. I don't think it's worth going too far down the market. It's probably going to come from the top six. I think the cutoff point there is Ronaldo. I don't think he's going to be involved. I think the top scorer is going to come from Haaland, Salah, Kane, um, Gabriel Jesus, Nunes, or Song. And for me, the value there is on Song. Um, I'm just not sure about Haaland. I'm not sure about his injuries. I'm not sure about how he's going to be utilised. I'm not sure if Manchester City want to stylistically change everything they play to to centre around Haaland. I think it's going to have to be a case of Haaland becoming more of a player. I think Haaland's going to be more involved in the build-up play. I think it's going to be similar to Sergio Aguero. It's going to be a case of do things as I want them done or you won't play. And I don't think they have an issue with doing that when you're looking at the player coming in for the the relatively low transfer fee that he came in for and he's even spoken about that he's even spoken about there there being twice as much pressure on on Jack Grealish which probably puts even more pressure on Jack Grealish but let's not overlook the fact that this guy has come in for ridiculous wages so um that there will still be pressure on him to score goals and that pressure is going to be even more if Manchester City are not playing to his strength so this is going to be for me and I talked about it at length on the last show a fascinating dynamic through the season how do they utilise Erling Haaland do they change the way that they play or does Erling Haaland change to fit in with the Manchester City system if that's the case he really shouldn't be the favourite in this market and he's worth opposing but um, if it's the Haaland that we've seen in previous years and Manchester City want to change the way they play and they want to get as many balls into him as possible and, and he's there to to make the most of the fact that they are creating chances with their 75-80% position and they're landing it on a plate for him then this guy's not just going to score 20 goals or 25 goals he's going to score 30 goals this season and he's going to be an unbelievable pick for the top goal scorer but I think it's too early to know so far therefore I wouldn't be putting my house or, or anything on him um, Kane's an interesting one here. We're just going to side. We're just going to move straight past Mo Salah. But Kane's an interesting one, given that he didn't really start at all last season. He was still crying and throwing his toys out of the pram because he wanted to go to Manchester City and he wanted to be the striker there, which would have been interesting if that had happened. Because where would Haaland have gone then? Um, probably to Real Madrid, given the Mbappe situation. With Mbappe deciding he was going to stay at PSG, I think they would have then put all their eggs into the Haaland basket. I think that's how that would have played out. But with Harry Kane. Kane um, ended up staying at Tottenham. That didn't happen. Kane is now at Tottenham this season. There hasn't been any drama this summer. There was a mention with Bayern Munich saying that they they admired Kane, but nothing came of it with him being a potential replacement for Lewandowski. I think that would have been a great move for, for Harry Kane going to the Bundesliga and playing for Bayern Munich. I think obviously he would have won a, a trophy there. They would have won the he would have won the, the league winners trophy. But um I think it would have made Bayern a much stronger force in the Champions League but it didn't come to fruition he is at Spurs and if he hits the ground running he's going to score more goals than Song this season and there will be value on him at 5-1 to one to win this golden boot because we know how, how Tottenham play we know how they utilise Harry Kane I still think there's too many question marks here to take Erling Haaland as the favourite now this could be a ridiculous statement I don't think there's going to be any kind of in-between I think it's going to be a case of um, 
he he does get injuries and he and he isn't utilised properly and there is a system problem with with Erling Haaland and Manchester City trying to adapt to each other. I think it's going to be a case of it doesn't go right at all here in the first season or he hits the ground running and he absolutely blitzes everyone else in the market. I don't think there's going to be any kind of middle ground where where he scores a, a decent number of goals but still doesn't finish as the top goal scorer. I just feel it's going to be a massive success or a little bit of a disaster when it comes to Erling Haaland. This is just my personal prediction. Um, obviously, I've been more right than I've been wrong over the years, so, I, so I'm able to to stick my neck out and say what I'm saying here for certain things, and that's that's just how I feel about um, Erling Haaland and his move to Manchester City. So now we've looked at those major markets. We will close out with a couple of locks from what we've covered here on the show. We'll start with the top four. As I said, if you shop around, you can find Chelsea at three to four. They're widely available uh, between four to six and seven to ten. In fact, four to six minus one fifty is the worst price on them to finish in the top four. I would be laying um, decent money on that. So you're taking this as your lock. That's a one unit play. I'd probably be looking to to bet more than that, but one unit's what we do here for the locks. So I'm happy to give that one out. I just don't see how this team don't finish in the top four. I still think they're better than Tottenham. I think for them to be an underdog to finish above Tottenham this season in the season match bets is crazy. This is a team full of players who won the Champions League the previous season. Yes, they've lost Rudiger, but they've bought in Kua Bali. They've gone back to playing a false number nine. They've now bought in a player in Sterling who can play that position or he can play out wide and allow Kai Havertz to do what he does before. Um, I don't think Timo Werner is going to get into this team, but it is an option. But they're just loaded with talent. They've got a solid goalkeeper in Mendy. They've got quality in front of him. When you're looking at the likes of Kourbali and, and Silva, out wide, they've got two of the best wing-backs in the league in James and Chilwell. They're protected by Kovacic and Kante. You've got Mason Mount in that midfield. You've got quality up top. You've got creative players like Havertz and then you've got Sterling to score goals. Like this, this is a team who are just far better for me than Tottenham on paper. It's just very, very confusing to me why, why this is the case. And Yes, Conte's a great manager, but Thomas Tuchel's a great manager. He came straight in and won the Champions League with, with nearly all the same players. So, as I said, great value on Chelsea, widely available between uh, 4 to 6 and 7 to 10, with 4 to 6 being the worst price. But if you shop around, you can get a 3 to 4 on them to finish in the top four. Your second lock here is going to be a plus money selection. But I just can't look past Fulham being available at six to four plus one fifty to be relegated. Now I can make a case for all three of the promoted teams to go back down because in order for them not to do that, you would have to see a team with decent Premier League pedigree go down. It would either have to be a disastrous season for an Everton or we would finally lose a Southampton or um, obviously, the, the one exception to that would be Brentford suffering from second season syndrome. But they looked very, very good last season and they looked like they would give anyone a game. And, and with that manager in Thomas Frank, they don't look like a team that, that are susceptible to, to second season syndrome. But we'll see. And um, if that's not the case, if Brentford don't suffer second season syndrome, if Southampton do get away with it again, um, if Leeds do manage to um, manage to make signings that do hit the ground running and they are able to recover from losing their two best players, then the 
the teams that came up are going to go straight back down. And if Nottingham Forest managed to survive, and I do think they've done better business than Fulham in the um, in the, in the summer window, then Fulham will be the team that go down with Bournemouth. So I think there's big value there on Fulham. They are a yo-yo club. They're much like Norwich. And I think Fulham at 6-4 plus 150 provides you significant value. So whereas we took a, uh, a juiced favourite there to, to finish in the top four of our first lock, we've made up for it here with a 6-4 to four plus 150 play on Fulham to be relegated from the EPL this season. I was tempted to add a third lock um, on the on the outright winner of the EPL. But if you listen to the first show, you'll know that I'm very much leaning towards Manchester City, but just not to the point where I wanted to make it one of my locks because I think these two plays are stronger. I think we have a strong possibility of going 2-0. I think there are question marks over Manchester City signing a player like Haaland. And that's a very weird thing to say. As I said, we've said it consistently through the show, but it does make a difference. He's nothing like what they've had there before. Now, it could go one of two ways and it can only go one of two ways. He could be the big difference maker and the missing piece, or he could be a disruption and someone who makes him play different stylistically. But all these things will be answered very shortly. There's not long to wait. And um, there's only one more show to listen out for. It is the Match Day 1 preview. Or Obviously, there's there's two shows to listen out for. If you're interested in Man United, then listen to BetMUFC because that will be the exclusive place where we cover the game between Manchester United versus Brighton. But we are almost there. You have your two previews. Your two futures previews here are done. You can go back and listen to the Fantasy Premier League show as well. Make sure you enter that before... The, uh, the Crystal Palace versus Arsenal game because the deadline, I believe, uh, the teams have to be entered one and a half hours before the kickoff. So that is an 8 p.m. kickoff UK time, 3 p.m. East. So it will be a 1.30 Eastern deadline for your teams to get into the Fantasy League, the SGPN Fantasy League. All the details are on the post, on the thread. You can get the code to enter the league or you can just search SGPN Mini League to join. Um, the code was also given out at the end of the preview podcast for the Fantasy Premier League. And there's an opportunity there to win $500 for the winner. These these guys gave away $500 last season and we're doing it again this season as well. Next week, we'll be doing a futures, a futures preview for Scamessa Italia. And one more thing we're doing, which is very, very important and a lot of people have asked for it. We are going to be doing a new episode of Soccer in 20. Now, Soccer in 20 was a two-part tutorial that we did looking at soccer bets. I don't think we need to do two parts again. I think we primarily need to focus on the more complex bets, the props and the, the Asian handicapping line. So we will be doing that again and we'll be releasing that next week when we release our Scamessa Italia preview. And of course, we'll be looking at La Liga and Match Day 2 in the EPL as well. So lots and lots of stuff to come. If you listen, want to listen to my Bundesliga preview that's going to be on my lock betting feed there is now a lock betting feed for additional sports podcasts it's a free feed that's where me and my colleague Cav are going to be covering the NFL this season instead of doing it on the dirty sheets which is primarily a wrestling channel where we decided just to chuck out our NFL stuff we've had a lot of success with it over the last two years we've been nailing a load of our picks we've been phenomenal in the NFL for the last couple of years so we've decided to bring it over to the lock 
unlock betting feeds. So that's where you can get additional content from me. But as I said, there's plenty of content to come here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. With um, We'll run through it again. The Fantasy Premier League show is already out. You have two future shows here. Um, match day one is going to be available in the next 12 hours. Then, of course, next week, we're going to have a La Liga preview, a La Liga preview, a Scamessa Italia preview, and that Soccer in 20 tutorial show. We're going to be releasing one show, looking at the more complex soccer bets for you guys that ask me questions all the time about this bet and that bet, because we don't want to steer away from plays. When we give out our locks and our selections, we don't want to steer away from something uh, because there's a lack of understanding. We're now um, we're now nine years into doing this on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. So, or sorry, we're eight years on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. We're, we're over nine years into LockBetting.com, so that's confusing. But we are eight years, over eight years, eight years and two months into this on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. So we don't want to be in a position where we're sidestepping bets because there's a lack of understanding from people. And that's why we're not going to give this Asian handicap line or this Asian goal line or anything like that. So it's very, very important. If you have questions and you ask questions about these props and these more complex bets in soccer make sure you check out that show which will be available next week but until then that's it for me and your second and the second part of your epl preview good luck with all of your bets as always and thanks for listening